in this episode today, I have the very fortunate uh, of guests to be joining us today, uh, Mr. Craig Earl, who is the co-founder of Onyx in London. Uh, if you don't know about Onyx, uh, you will do after you've listened to this, uh, along with some also very pressing topics that we'll be discussing. Uh, but yeah, Craig, great to have you on today. Uh, Thank you. And uh, yeah, just tell us a bit about yourself, what, what's been going on. Uh, yeah, so, um, well, I'm Craig, as you said, um, and I've kind of been working my way through this sort of industry for the last sort of, what, nine to ten years now. Um, originally from Leicestershire, not that that matters to anyone whatsoever. Um, <laughs> moved to London to sort of further my career um, back in sort of... 2013 or 2014 um, and yeah father to a wonderful little boy uh, like you say now co-founder of um, Onyx London which keeps keeps me very busy yeah, yeah. stuff so I mean in a nutshell really we, yeah with, with that being said now we, we've known each other for close to just over two years now yeah and uh, I think with both of our journeys they've gone similar paths and uh, a lot of people can can see from both of our journeys that we've taken things a bit differently i myself running a service-based business uh, online but you yourself you run a very exciting facility right now um just give us a bit of a, a rundown as to the, the types of training that you provide because you're very different to your normal general general gym out there aren't you yeah so we kind of have sort of three main sort of class or group based sessions. So um, the first one is your, is like, is our strength based session. Um, so whereas I, find, I think you find when you go to most group sessions, it tends to be quite high paced, high energy. This is actual, it's strength training. So, you know, you've got your deadlifts, um, and it's all programmed across like sort of eight sort of weeks programmed and then we move into a next sort of uh, phase after that. Um, and yeah, like we have sort of three, three days of that run across the week. So three variations. Um, so the aim is, you know, progressive overload in those sessions. Um, and then we have our, our conditioning which is, you know, our fitness base in which we use heart rate monitors to help people gather information. And then they can, you know, they can analyze their own recoveries and watch their fitness levels grow through that. And then the third one, which is, I think, probably is our most different, is our movement and mobility, which is where we feel, we actually feel we get, see most people make um, sort of, the like the most gains through this session because it transfers through into all the other classes um and it and it's a it's a different way of thinking about say improving say your flexibility and mobility than i think you would find um in in other areas of say uh well say like your yogas for example it's a, it's it's very different to that has bits and pieces of it but it's uh it's, it's, it's a little bit more different. Yeah. So that's kind of like what we, what we kind of have. And then 
the idea of our, our say like our th- philosophy behind that is that we encourage people to do say the three strength-based sessions mixed in with some movement and mobility and then that fitness level um and it's about creating a long-term sort of health if that if you, you sort of see where uh so yeah with the view of like creating longevity rather than a short-term focus in terms of like you know i just want to go to the gym and get into the best shape i can and then potentially neglects any any uh, movement patterns or um you know any joint issues that might be there so we try and address it all um yeah so again that's that's kind of what we're doing up there that's amazing i think uh one, one thing that you really picked on there was, was movement patterns. Uh, I know you're a massive advocate of that. And uh, yeah. people that will obviously look at your Instagram profile uh, will see the different types of movement patterns that you can piece together to create a, a flows uh, effectively. Uh, yeah. But one thing that you mentioned there was obviously the neglect uh, of other areas. Now, we'll go back to the beginning of obviously a process and, a, and, a, and an assessment. Uh, yeah. as I think is a very, very important thing to do. Uh, and I think you'd be right in saying that you have a set process that you follow before onboarding into those certain types of sessions or do you follow the, the same routine for, for every single area? Uh, yeah, so I mean, when it comes to sort of assessing, I think you've got your base, your base mark um, of assessing sort of individuals and you know and a lot of that is what we do is try and look at a bit more of an active range of like assessment rather than say necessarily too much flexibility sort of um assessments so watch how shoulders spine and joints move and then once you've sort of seen that, you might then take that into a movement pattern, which might be like a, a bodyweight squat or um, a hinge pattern and just work how people move without load. Um, and then obviously you do want to see sort of like things like hamstring flexibility um, is, is, is a good passive assessment, I think, to, to see. But I think in the gym environment, it's a lot, easier to see how people move sort of from an active movement point of view than say too much uh say static stretching as an assessment um yeah so that we kind of look at how people move rather than look at how they sort of move one limb or one muscle and see how that that responds because we think generally when you're especially when you're working in exercise classes or moving in general there's there's more than one joint more than one muscle moving at one time so we want to see how how things work collectively i think that's a that's a that's a great thing that you mentioned uh about moving things um collectively uh we know the basic uh compound lifts uh deads deadlifts uh squats uh, and um, front squats, and we look to Olympic lifting as well. The, the compounds yeah. themselves, they are collective movement exercises uh, yeah. because there's a lot of moving parts of the body that need to, to 
functionally work together to then perform the compound movement. Uh, one area that I've noticed recently that a lot of people neglect uh, is ankles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't talk about them a lot. Uh, and it's such a complex joint, even more so than the knees, the hips, and the shoulder. Uh, yeah. In terms of it's, it's under load constantly. It's constantly well, under load yeah. as, much as, as much as we say it. And uh, I, I don't... I would say that probably I've seen about 30 to 40% of people actually addressing the from a body analysis from the bottom up. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you think that there's a preference towards one versus the other? Or um, would you say that they they would necessarily, they, they would review one area first from the bottom up and then work from the top down four weeks, eight weeks later? How would you run that system uh, versus what you're seeing at the moment? So I, I think, I, I think, yeah, I think it's like the ankles. You make a really good point with the ankles. Um, I'd almost, I sort of said shoulders, hips, um, spine. I'd also probably throw the ankles into there as well, um, especially if you've got a lot of squat-based movements. Um, would I necessarily assess from the ground up? Probably me personally, no. I'd want to see how um, collectively those sort of, those joints, those four say joints are moving um, and take a bigger picture from all four of them. Um, obviously, if the, the ankles are showing um, weakness or less, say, mobility than, than in the hips or in the shoulders, you're going to want to focus in there. Um, but I also believe, you know, with the body being the sort of intelligent machine that it is, if you don't use it, you lose it. So if we can still do maintenance in the ankles or main, if the and address maybe the hips if they need more work or, you know, if the shoulders, hips and spine are uh, 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 in a good place, but, you know, you've, you've, it's common knowledge that you've had ankle injuries, then maybe we want to put a bit more time into the ankles, but I'd still want people to maintain their movement through the full sort of range in, say, those other three. There's, I mean depending on the individual we might take it even further so like a 100%, like, 100 agree with that like, I, I when I work with people one-to-one -one, the first thing I do is give them like um like the daily sort of cars routine that we take from that we took from our uh, functional range sort of conditioning course which I mean you're moving your neck you're moving your scapula your shoulder your elbows your wrists your hips, spine, knee, uh, ankles, even your uh, toes. So I might say to, to some individuals, there you go. All I want you to focus on when you get up in the morning is just move those joints. And, and that could be a base mark for someone just to improve um, joint health. Mm. Um, and then instantly you could see that if that becomes sort of a, a routine that they practice more regularly than not, then you could see some improvements already in, in their performance in the gym in other exercises. Um, but to go, I guess going back to your question, 
yeah, the answer would be I wouldn't necessarily, me personally, just focus, always look at the base going up. I'd want to see sort of through the whole of the body and then just highlight areas that might need a little bit more whilst trying to maintain the others. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably be the answer to that. Uh, yeah, me, me, myself, I tend to go from the ground up. Uh, yeah. And the reason for that is that a lot of contact sports are primarily from yeah. the ground up. Uh, yeah. That's the reason why I was asking that. Because yeah. you run through a visual scan of the, per- the individual in front of you, uh, and then you effectively, your eyes naturally go from the top down. It's a really yeah. interesting thing. If you look at someone, you naturally, yeah. <laughs> you on the head down. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, when you're actually analysing it, you analyze from the bottom up because yeah. the ground is the last place that you actually look at. Uh, yeah. and I think that it's, it's interesting because uh, we were, we, a lot of people don't know this, but myself and Craig actually went on the same S&C course back in 2017, 18. Yeah, it was yeah. a while ago. Um, it was, yeah. and, uh, the, the thing that, that, we, that I took away from it was the point system when you're actually running a um, movement analysis. Yeah. So a lot of people, the movement analysis uh, depicts uh, a number of areas and then addresses it on a zero to five scale. Okay. Uh, Five being amazing, zero being terrible. Um, uh, And a lot of people you'd find would sit normally between the two to three range when you first assessed. Uh, But I still use that principle, I, but I, I scale it back a little bit and just use on the points. Yeah. In terms of mobility, when we're looking at transferring that, say, for instance, the, the movement analysis, movement screening, uh, across to mobility, when we're looking at um, someone who's coming in to do a class at Onyx, they'll be yeah. for the first time. Your principles then, would they change significantly or would you carry a lot of them over to that initial screening or like you say you 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 screen them obviously from the top down and and looking at things collectively does that play a big part in in the onyx processes right now or is it something that you're looking to adapt the the screening system we're we're actually in the process of um when we expanded upstairs uh, the studio we're looking at getting say a an in-house physio in um, that is going to conduct uh, like screens for when people come through to Onyx and, and join up. Um, so we want to take that sort of as much away from necessarily our, take away from the coaches. coaches. Yeah, and then and then hand it into um, a physio who will then conduct that assessment. Um, but anyone coming in now. The, I mean, the coaches that we've got on, it's a very sort of like, you know, well-skilled. So they, they're analyzing that people are always under sort of analysis, I guess, during sessions. Um, so then you, you can refer out uh, to what, and I think you, you, you touched on the fact that sort of we would analyze from the, the top down. We wouldn't necessarily analyze from the top down. What we'd, we'd analyze more as, a collective whole um, and I think like you obviously like that point system that we that we went through on the um, 
on the S&C course um, is is fantastic system. And that's if I was working more with sports specific people, um, that's something that I would definitely use more. And you'd you'd probably look more at the feet and work up. Yeah. We our clientele comes in out of offices. Uh, or you know that general day-to-day I've sat down for like more hours and have been standing or like um, and then you know if if they're not sat down at the office they're probably sat down in a car or on the tube or you know so we need to we know who the people coming out through our door generally are and that's why we would we pinpoint say the shoulder you know thoracic tightness in the spine generally sort of starts to shape more towards like a seat than a human spine should be um the hips get stuck in flexion so you start losing extension um so that those would be the areas like i say that we would look at rather than say the point system because of it's adapted for our clientele um, if you sort of see 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 the point I'm trying to make between working with um, someone who is sport sport sport, you want and the feet are taking that heavy impact. So you're going to assess people, yeah, generally from the the floor up. Mm. We are probably like I say, knowing the clientele that walk through the door, um, and are and are aware that ninety percent of the time through those those three areas the hips the spine and the the shoulders we're going to have a few imbalances or we're going to have a few uh joints that probably aren't working to their full potential um and also you'll probably find that people have got injuries in them and they've not been uh rehab properly uh just because of you know you know it's like people are get me injury as soon as it starts feeling better boom back in the gym and you start people are starting pressing you know doing an overhead press and the range is generally in between like an overhead press and a bench press type of thing because of life takes takes over and those joints don't get the tlc that they deserve or need and because of I guess life is life becomes more important to those people, and yeah, and and I think that's why we would assess through those areas than 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 the the general point system. Um, but like I said, if I was working with a sports star or a sports star or, or someone who's who's looking solely for more performance, you're working with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If I'm working with you. Then I, it would it would follow more of that point system because um, it's a much more detailed, really detailed sort of um, analysis. You know, you're going through so many assessments in there. Um, but yeah, most of our people are coming in to to work out, see some performance gains, and generally move better for for life rather than for a sport specific purpose. Um, yeah. Bit long-winded answer to that one, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, no, it's definitely it's one of those areas that that is a big sticking point uh, right now is that people in office environments are becoming more susceptible to spinal um, imbalances uh, and also shoulder imbalances and yeah. uh, curvatures of the spine. 
um, and then we we'll, we we also start developing uh, other issues uh, internally. So it's it's always one of those big cycles of conversation that that we can bring in doctors and physios and osteos and all that people, but from a collective standpoint, when you're assessing someone who, who comes into your facility, um, like you say, the, the general clientele are from the office working environment. Yeah. But being that you're able to provide such an extensive service and what you do, that I, I, I think personally there, there aren't many facilities in that area of London where you are that has so many different coaches but with highly well highly adaptable skill sets and also having a, a physio in house as well will only just solidify what you're trying to do moving forward and uh, i think it's brilliant one area that you touched on there which was um was shoulders uh, yeah. now i i was asked a question a couple of weeks ago uh from a friend's dad actually funny enough who said to me oh do you think i should be overhead pressing um, but even though I've hurt my shoulder, my answer was no, you damn well shouldn't be, uh, for a number of different reasons. Now we know that the shoulder itself is made up of very, it's a very complex joint when you break it down, but a lot of people's primary go-to, um, is rotator cuff, uh, mobility. Yeah. Now the rotator cuff itself we know is there's so many different actions there's so many different movements that can either create impingements or they can actually reduce the impingement. Uh, but also something I've noticed recently is that a lot of people are experiencing something called subacromial bursitis, um, which is the inflammation of the bursa, which basically yeah. acts as the gliding point for the shoulder to, to glide. Now, yeah. you inflame that, you're in a world of pain. Uh, now, in terms of... That question, what what would what advice would you give to someone who's experiencing now I personally wouldn't even tell them to even think of picking up that bar and throwing it above their head. Yeah. Uh, but what 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 would or if someone if a guy if he was coming into your facility and he told you the same thing, uh what would you do? What what process would you run? I think first thing to say on that is like as soon as there's if there's pain in that joint, then it's it's beyond my capabilities. Like I, I work, I, we work with people who, you know, if there's limited range and they're coming out of that stage of like, you know, uh, that sort of, um, prehab, sorry, like, yeah, prehab rehab. So they're coming out of like, say an injury, but if they, if there's pain in that joint, first and foremost, no, do not, do not be pressing. Like, and like you, you'll find some people can overhead press, but they can't, you know, do bench press or you know bang out their push ups or their dips or, or whatever. But um, most people generally feel quite safe in a row position. Mm. But first and foremost, it needs to be checked out by a specialist. Um, if if you then get the go ahead and it's kind of like it's kind of you know you can go back into it the pain's not there then we'll we'll do some work on it and we'll again we'll, we'll look at how the shoulder moves through um like i don't know why i'm showing you on camera because people aren't going to be able to see me do this but, but like you work through like obviously your your flexion 
uh, and then you've got that the rotation of the actual joint itself and that on the rotation is generally where you probably feel it catch but one of the the areas that i find people really really lacking in the shoulder is extension so when that arm comes say if you've got that arm in line with the your your hip and you bring it back behind the body you'll be amazed at how many people won't be able to do that and then place their hand on their back um and that's an area that often pops up so i'll almost look at like break that movement down a movement down of uh looking at flexion sort of a natural rotation through the joint and then into extension and see whether there's any sort of um lack of range of movement there and then we can look at putting some uh, and it's, it's quite hard to to paint the picture up um i guess over over audio but uh things that we use like if uh, shoulder cars is a is a, another is a is a popular movement um which has come from the i touched on earlier the functional functional range conditioning um and then we've got drills which is like uh ice where we use isometric contractions so if i've noticed someone that hasn't got that range so that uh range to go through into a um sort of overhead press they're not getting that bicep sort of close to that ear or if they are what we're finding is you might see there's some limitations in in the thoracic movement so that rib cage the lower spine is moving as we bring that shoulder up they're all indicators that um yeah we need to do work on getting you into more shoulder flexion um or some thoracic work and from those, yeah, we, we, I use a lot of isometric contractions. So that might be like uh, pushing down onto a block for 10 seconds, lifting away for 10 seconds, or pushing into my hand for 10 seconds, um, and then trying to pull away from me for 10 seconds when you're, you're almost limited at your end range. Mm-hmm. Um, and those drills, what we're trying to do is build the strength in the end range of your movement and then, you, and then, like you, and then that thing. If you think of it, in, if I'm pulling it in the simplest sort of terms, is is we're, we're stimulating strength at the end of our range, which then our body then gains more confidence and allows the body then to increase its range of movement as it becomes more comfortable in that in that range, because. Um, most, if you, if you take someone who's injured the shoulder, for example, um, they, they probably had range of movement, that, that range yeah. of movement that we're looking for. But now they've got reduced range of movement because their body is saying to them, they go into a protective I want to be protective. I don't feel strong in that point. And that's why like, most injuries happen in the area where... It, it, like they'll reoccur in the same area that you got injured in before because nobody really goes into that range and trains strength in it so if I've lost shoulder flexion and I want to gain it back what I need to do is is I need to work as close to that end range as possible with like say starting with some isometric contractions mm-hmm. to build strength build confidence in that joint for that 
for that joint to then go, you know what, let me give you an extra little millimeter, an extra two millimeters. And over time, I mean, it's, it's not, not something that happens overnight, but you, you can get back to that range. And also what you'll find is when you get back to that range, that joint will be a lot more bulletproof than it was the first time around. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, there's, there's lots of things like that, that on, on both like Onyxes or, or myself sort of like Instagram page. Um, or if you like, if you was to type in things like, uh, like shoulder cars, uh, you know, as a hashtag into like Instagram, you'll see lots of things where, where you can see people working through a full joint like a full shoulder range of movement is it that for me is the is the first place i'd i'd go once someone's pain free um but yeah again that's great i think i think a lot of people will will understand the first things first don't pretend you know something go and see a specialist um yeah, yeah, exactly like, be, an expert, be an expert in your field yeah. don't be try be like an expert in and everyone else is you know uh, yeah. when, okay. when you're not you know well, what I mean? uh, so. yeah um one thing there uh that i really picked up on uh was hitting the end range of motion and then keeping it yeah. under tension now yeah. a lot of people go through band rotations scapula pulls and things like that they're great exercises. I myself, I use YTWs as a go-to. Um, yeah. We're looking at good, good range. Um, but I've always found that it's always good to put a, put a little bit of um, resistance in there. So I, I, I do something called the one kilo club. Um, so right. put two one kilo dumbbells uh, on either of the hands. Uh, and then to get them to, uh, on an inclined bench, uh, get them to do YTWs on an incline bench. This will a stop um, the rotation of the spine, but also keep yeah. the core engaged. So actually using a resistance on that. Yeah. Um, now that's how I keep people in the in that end range of uh, end range of motion. Uh, yeah. But also looking at um, seeing how the scapula moves because it's not it, it's fixed. There's no room yeah. for it to move. Um, and we'll also see. Uh, the lats obviously engaging to support it. So it's a very, I think it's a very good functional exercise to use to address shoulder impingements or shoulder issues moving forward from that. So that's what I would use. But um, thanks for obviously giving, a better, giving uh, a better overview as to how you would do that. Um, next thing that I want them to move on to now, you guys are obviously a very face-to-face -face orientated environment. Uh, yeah. being obviously there's a lot of changes happening at the moment you guys have just recently taken the upstairs from where you are uh, and this, all, this is all just over a year this isn't even over a long period of time this is, this is, this is, this is, this is short time frames um, now you're moving into a bit of a, an unknown territory in terms of virtual coaching yeah. which I know you've been doing it for a little bit on and off but you've wanted to obviously maintain that, that focal point with people one-to-one -one, uh, and in group environments because yeah. the necessary um, additional accessories that you need in terms of um, uh, boxes, kettlebells, uh, and obviously having the free space is, is amazing. Uh, guys, if you ever get a chance to go to his facility, I tell you what, you will be impressed and I'm sure it will blow your mind in terms of what there is available. Uh, but... I, I, are you able to 
Well, I think I think you'd be right in saying that the, what, what is the transition like now moving to that virtual environment? Has it had a massive impact or are there areas that you think you need to fine-tune to be able to deliver it? Now, I know there's a lot of content that you've got, but yeah. how do you maintain that, that same contact with, with people moving forward? Well, I think the first thing that we realised when we were moving into what was going to be... Um, a period of time where people wouldn't have access to the gym. Now, like we, I think utilizing body weight is a great way to train at home and stuff. But the first thing we noted is a lot of our people don't have equipment. And if they do, it's, it's, it's generally people generally have like like light dumbbells or kettlebells lying around the house and maybe a band here and there. So the first thing we did was we basically loaned out our equipment to our members. Therefore, we know if people have got similar equipment, I mean, we're talking dumbbells, kettlebells, bands, um, you know, we didn't loan out barbells and plates or anything, but um, we knew if people had have those at home, then the workouts we put out, um, we can keep as close to our group-based sessions as possible. So, you know, if I'm talking about, we can, we can still do a conditioning session using kettlebells, dumbbells, body weight. We can still do a strength session at home um, using those same things, but adding in tempos, utilizing the bands for a little bit more sort of resistance. Um, and obviously we can do, we can still do the movement ones at home. So it's, it's kind of like we're entering like this is week two now um, and we're doing like our live sessions. We're actually putting live sessions across our Instagram rather than going down the route of Zoom and, and, and upkeeping that membership. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, a, it's very different. We're still managing to maintain contact with our members through that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's something very new, but I think what's important to note is just cause we're stuck at home, it doesn't mean that we can't have like, we still can't hit the, the, the same spots you can hit in the, in the gym. It just requires a little bit more, um, sort of creativity. And I think, um, yeah, just a few changes to how session structures might be, but we can still deliver the same sort of principles and philosophies across, um, across, across virtual, across the virtual world than we can in the studio, which is, which is, has been quite nice to see. And, and to be fair, it's great. I'm, I'm glad that's the case. And it's, and it's the same for many, many studios, across London I've seen as well have, have managed that transition because the worst thing you want to see is, is um, businesses struggle because of this. So it's, it's been good to see people be able to, to stay in contact and deliver what they're usually delivering, um, but from a virtual point of view, which is important for both, think, both business and I think the people out there as well, they need, they need something to do during the day. They need something to release those endorphins, right? I need to know that they're still able to do the things they, they were doing two, three weeks ago, which I think is the most important thing in, in all of this, really. That's absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think it, you, you guys obviously a true testament that 
it can be done. Uh, you just need to be able to put the right measures in place so it actually fits your clientele that you're working with. And I think that it's good that you're able to still interact. Uh, and Instagram, I think, is a massive platform that if you use yeah. like you, you're using it right now, is giving that real benefit to, to your clientele. Uh, but look, Craig, um, really uh, thank you for, for coming on the, the, the show today. Uh, and giving us a few thoughts. I'm sure we'll we'll catch up and see more of the journey as things start to evolve. Well, start to uh, to evolve uh, over the next weeks and months. Um, but other than that, thank you, thank you very much for for your time today. No, thank you very much, Ganesh. It's been a pleasure. So thank you.